Hi there, and welcome back to this Human Life Podcast. My name is Melissa Sanova, and uh, we are into Design Fable number three, which is the third installment of the series of Design Fables that we thought we would pull together. The intention of these fables is to create a way for people to access uh, wisdom and uh, skills and hard earned lessons in practicing human-centered design in all sorts of different uh, contexts in story form. So instead of taking a case study approach, we thought we'd take a short story approach. My ultimate goal would be to actually be able to create fables. (laughs) Um, But anyway, who knows? We'll see if we get there. This particular story is about the designer who learned framing is critical. And, uh, you know, as they say with movies that are based on true events or whatever, this is based on true events from my life as a human-centered designer. And I'll just uh, jump straight in. So normally what happens is I read the story and then unpack it a little bit towards the end and then we'll wrap. All right, here we go. The executives walked in 20 minutes late, frazzled and tired at the end of the long day. To not waste any more time, Jason launched straight into the session. They only had two hours and they had a lot to get through. Hi everyone, thanks for your time. I know it's the end of the day and you've all come in after a huge session. We have a lot to get through so I'll jump straight in. Jason usually spends more time setting context, explaining what the task was ahead and why it was important to do it. But that 20 minutes was already toast. This is a critique session. As you know, we've been working with various parts of your organization, taking a human-centered, design-led approach to redesign your service model. This is not about changing the service you deliver, but more about changing how you deliver it. It took some time before the executives were settled in their seats. Lots of passing around the cheese platter, watermelon always seems to be a hit, and jokes about drinking something stiffer as they made their way to the coffee urn. We've created A3 sheets that summarise our research and what we've found. We've stuck them up in various stations around the room. We would like you to split up into groups of three. Each group will have its own facilitator to guide the critique session. There was an uneasiness in the room. Some executives started to question the methodology, asking questions more appropriate for a quantitative approach than the design research approach the team had taken. Jason did his best to address the questions without taking up too much more time. The weary executives got up from the central boardroom table and moved into their groups. The facilitators in the groups dived straight into orienting the leaders to the work. There were six sheets to get through in an hour. They started by recapping on the method and then dove into the findings. On the sheets, there were separate pieces of information. The research informed persona that was relevant to the finding, description of the finding itself, implication of the finding and some proposed actions. The design team was working at pace and this was the first critique session. The information on the sheets wasn't as refined and synthesized as it would be later in the process. They were kicking off the first iteration. What have you based these assumptions on? Asked one executive. These are based on exploratory interviews we've had with members of staff that sit across the departments involved with delivering the service, said Jason. It seems some of these comments are unfounded. We weren't consulted as a part of the process. We have different perspectives on these issues. Jason was thinking to himself, 
this is the consultation. This is what this session is about for you to critique and input into this work. But he chose not to say it. The executive was defensive and feeling attacked. It's very easy for you to interview some people and make your mind up about how this place works, write down some recommendations and suggest that that's what we do. But it should be done in collaboration. Jason was feeling frustrated. This is a critique session. In this session, we are able to share our work with you and you are able to input your perspectives. The next round of work is to do the same type of interviews with the executives and that will then be rolled into this work. Feels a little late in the day for that said the executive, dismissing Jason's attempt to explain the work. Perhaps we can move on to the next sheet, said Jason, trying to get the job done and also feeling that something was a little off. The session continues in this form. The executives participated to the best of their ability, considering the context and circumstances, and the session was wrapped up. The next week, there was a steering meeting. The CEO wasn't happy with the session. She said, It is very difficult to get these people in the same room all at once, and this was the first time we had the opportunity to do it, and we blew it. We've lost them. Jason's heart sank. Why do you think we've lost them? asked Jason tentatively. We pulled them into a critique session too early. The work is still developing, and they felt it was still too loose to warrant a critique of their performance. Jason's eyes flew wide open. A critique of their performance? It was a critique of our work, not theirs. The room fell silent, and then everything made sense. Jason knew he hadn't framed the session well enough. He prioritised getting to the objective, get a response on all six finding areas, rather than ensuring everyone in the room understood the nature of the work and the intention of the session. He had allocated 20 minutes to this, but decided not to use it in the moment. Every week, Jason spends half an hour on a Friday morning over coffee, reflecting on his week and his practice. He wrote down this in his journal. In a workshop, always spend the time on framing. Cut time out elsewhere. Establishing clarity of intention and understanding of the task is more important than making sure you do all the activities. Ah, poor Jason. That's a tough session. And, you know, when you have been waiting around for almost half an hour for people to show up and you're on the clock and you need to get through some pretty important work because you know that you're not going to have all these people in the same room again and on all of that, it's an enormous amount of pressure to know how to best use the time that you have left. And, of course, our instinct is to, is to dive straight into the work and get as much as we possibly can done. But as Jason finds out, sometimes that can be really, really counterproductive and actually cost time in the long run. So there's a few um, talking points that I wanted to explore. The first one is the importance of establishing listening and participation in workshops in general, but specifically in critique sessions. If you are from a discipline that isn't necessarily sort of design or engineering or you know, software development, the notion of regular critique sessions isn't that common. And often critique or feedback is associated. So the word critique or feedback is associated with, you know, performance management or personal feedback or, you know, things a little bit closer to home. And being able to run a good critique session is a skill which is actually why I wrote about it in the book, This Human. There's a whole section on how to run a blissful critique. And one of the things that's that's really important is to establish the listening. 
And when I mean establishing listening, what I'm referring to is to give people a clue as to how they should be making sense of the feedback or the information that gets shared in the critique and which way the critique is going. (laughs) One of the shocks that Jason lived in the steering meeting was that realizing that all the executives thought that they were the ones being critiqued where actually it was the other way around. And had he taken the time, the 20 minutes at the beginning or whenever they walked in to make that really explicit, to be able to establish the meaning behind the words that are used in the human-centered design process, a lot of the confusion and discomfort could have been avoided. And establishing listening also then gives you the opportunity to establish participation. So how do you want people to participate in that session? And, you know, sometimes I often go, especially in a critique session, as far as giving examples on how, you know, questions could be posed so that they do, you know, so that they are objective and constructive to progressing the design. So always, always, always frame. That's the whole maxim of this fable. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was designing for the context of the objective of your project. Now, this is a weird one because obviously the project exists for a reason and there are outcomes that we're all working towards. But often we can design these sessions from our own perspectives of what we need to achieve in the time. And we forget to also design for the context within which this work is going to happen. So in Jason's case, the context was after hours, because it's the only time they could get them all in the same room, after a long session, because people had flown in interstate to be able to participate in that session, and an additional two hours on an already packed day. So they were going to be exhausted and they're participating in a way of working that was foreign to three quarters of them, the majority of them. So being able to make sure that we design the way that we do the work in a human-centered way is also really important. Remembering that people are going to be tired, that all of the stuff that we're going to be talking about is foreign or uncomfortable or whatever it may be. And to make sure that you design the interactions accordingly. And then finally, the last point is about where to cut time if you absolutely need to. And it's really, it's really normal to feel the pressure of making the most of the time that you have in front of you with the people that are there and ensuring that you get as much of the work that needs to be done, done. I would say that it's more important to make sure that everyone in the room establish a shared understanding of the work that you're doing and why you're doing it and the intention of the session and why people are in the room and what they're working towards, then being able to tick every single activity that you have put in your run sheet. And this is when I talk about working towards outcomes as opposed to outputs. And if you're going to cut time, cut time in a way that, doesn't compromise the understanding and clarity in the participants of your workshop. Cut time in tasks that are nice to do's or combine activities and go broader instead of deeper or perhaps reduce the scope of you know how much you're going to cover in the one session. But my experience tells me that cutting time in framing 
and setting up the work cost you in the long run, especially if there's a misunderstanding like this one. So that is the story of the designer who learned how critical it is to do framing well. The other two design fables can be found over at This Human Community, which is hosted on Mighty Networks. If you want to check out the free stuff and get your hands on a copy of the book, and which is called This Human, you can head over to thishuman.com. And if you want to explore working with me one-on-one, you can head over to melissanova.com and uh, check out how you're going to do that. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you're finding these things enjoyable and interesting and wisdom enhancing, which is the intention of doing this in the first place. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next installment, Design Fable number four. And also, if you have stories and you'd like us to you know, create a fable, create a story around your story idea, we would love to do that. So make sure you come on in and join us and join in the fun. All right, that's it from me. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in a couple of weeks.